Welcome to Failing Forward. I'm Emily Janak. I'm the Director of Knowledge Management and Learning at CARE. And today we're recording an English language version of an Arabic podcast that already exists. Huge thanks to the original podcasters. We are doing a transcript in English that, so it can be accessible to people in more languages. Thank you everybody for joining us today. The original three speakers were Fatima Aza from CARE, Samar Karamo and Bara Bobaki from Isan Relief and Development. Good morning and welcome to Failing Forward. I'm Fatima Aza, the Communications Officer at CARE Syria. I'm interviewing two colleagues from Isan Relief and Development who've been working on cash programming to reduce gender-based violence in Syria to share what they've learned about what doesn't work and how to improve our programs. Can you introduce yourselves for the audience, please? I'm Samar Karamo, the Senior GBV and Program Officer from Isan. And I'm Barab Bawaki from Isan Relief and Development. Because we want to learn from mistakes we have done or challenges we've faced in our program implementation, we want to discuss more about learning from failure. In your opinion, why is it important to talk about the mistakes we made? When we talk about mistakes, we need to think about what we could have done so we can learn. So instead of seeing it as a mistake, we see it as a lesson learned. This builds a, a better experience with a higher success rate. It's not just me as Samar or Isan as an organization who can benefit from this learning. If we share it and talk about it, other partners and humanitarian stakeholders working on GBV can benefit from our learning without making the same mistake. So it is important to be very specific while talking about these mistakes to start a much more successful experience in comparison with the last one. Like Samar stated, whenever we have a mistake, an obstacle, or a gap, it gives us power to innovate and try something new so we don't make an even bigger mistake. Always, the mistake is an idea. It is anything new that can help us reach more survivors and improve service delivery. Let's say it is to reach more survivors with less harm. Can you give examples of mistakes that we have done in cash support or GBV services that we can use as learning? Well, let's say that they are mistakes. Sometimes the context we are working is extremely difficult. We need to plan our service delivery to guarantee survivor safety. However, because of the difficult context, some things do not happen as planned. For example, in some cases of cash support to women, we have two safety plans. One is related to violence that the woman faces and the other is related to the catch support she receives. Both plans help make the service as successful as possible and reduce the violence that she may face. Even so, some women survivors can go through some circumstances that don't allow them to profit from this cash support, even if they are safety measures, because the abuser took her cash or because she has an emergency that made her use the cash for other things. We need to understand the whole context and elements that would be an obstacle for women survivors to fully benefit from this support. I know we are in a difficult context, but it is very important to be aware of this issue and take it into consideration in our safety plans. We have also some challenges to target adolescent girls. Adolescent girls can't access GBV safe spaces without the approval of the family or the service provider. Going to that space means that she has a secret she wants to talk about. Girls are afraid of being stigmatized by service providers, even if they do not have to. Some service providers prohibit girls to have this service as they do not consider it important. Girls often make decisions alone at that age. Sometimes if we give her cash support, it can be harmful for her. She may not have the knowledge and capacities to secure the service she needs without causing harm. Since you have field experience, can you share some examples of this? 
Sure. We go through few, a few steps of researching the context before we start our services. We start with a pre-survey to test things out. Even before we start talking to participants, we notice that some of the questions in the questionnaire are not suitable to our local context in Syria. Some questions will make people not at ease or harm them. So when we discuss this issue together, these questions were removed. That's right. As we work on issues of GBV, it does not make sense to bring a questionnaire without adapting it to the context and to the skills teams have. In this case, the team used input from ESAN program director, GBV specialists, and the local staff to change the survey to get the best results, and above all, to do no harm to women survivors. We really had to listen to what the project team in the field had to say when they asked for changes in the survey. Because we are in direct contact with women survivors, we had a prior knowledge about how women would react to questions. Based on that, there was so much debate with supervisors and adjustment of many questions in the survey. Another thing is that once we started the work, the first step was to help women survivors feel safe and comfortable to talk. We, of course, always rely on confidentiality, respecting women's feelings, and doing no discrimination. These services are available for any woman survivor with plans in order not to be subject to more violence if she is served by us. When conducting the pre-survey, we give a general overview of questions we would put, and we also seek the survivor's approval for the survey and check if she has any objection about any question. We seek and emphasize the importance of her opinion on every step we are doing. Another issue is that sometimes our questions can push the survivor to relive old tough memories and experiences. At this moment, we try to support her as much as we can and always have a referral plan to get her help if she needs it. We also identify which kind of violence she is facing. We work on safety steps, awareness meetings, and psychological support. These activities raise survivors' awareness help them make decisions and understand measures that would harm them and others that would help them to overcome violence. Even if it is the survivor herself who decides about her needs, my job is to enlighten her about potential risks, negative side effects, and positive sides, and potential outcomes. Let me say it is the critical support. It means that the survivor understands what will be helpful for her and what would be more harmful. This way, the survivor has enough space to think. When a survivor comes the first time, sometimes she feels like she is in a fog and she can't know the best choice. The aim of the counseling sessions is to help women feel that they can make decisions, identify people who will be supportive, and make her own safety plan that accounts for her situation and her risk. The woman survivor is the only one who can make these decisions, even if they feel weak. They have a lot of power and hope inside them, even if they don't know it. Sometimes they just need to find that power and have someone to help them do that. We are always with them in every step while they are going through a difficult time. Many survivors have overcome violence and others are building their life again. All this is a series of steps we do to support people through their experience. We follow up, do referrals, and help women integrate into training centers and jobs they choose themselves. This support helps survivors to identify what they want to do and to start their economic activities based on what they choose after they have thought about a plan for their situation. You mentioned a very important element that our interventions need to consider the context we are working in and how to fit that context. We can't take a methodology from one country and just implement it exactly the same in another one. It should do no harm, as you said. 
I think we also try to avoid mistakes by taking into consideration women's perspectives through surveys. Tell me more about the context you're working in. We are in a Syrian context where we do a cash support to women survivors of GBV, whether it is rape, sexual abuse, physical or psychological abuse, child marriage, or any form of GBV to girls from 10 years old and to women. Before talking about the context, I want to mention an important point since we talked about our intervention methodology. Along with taking into consideration the local context, we also studied how we can help women without causing them any harm. For example, we thought what can be harmful for a woman if we give her direct cash support or if we give voucher cash support or in-kind assistance. We decided to combine a safety plan and cash with the women making choices in a way that would reduce all potential risks on her and her situation. Some measures are easier than others depending on the survivor situation. That's why cash helps. For example, if we give her in-kind assistance, the abuser might destroy them and or ask her where she got them. She might not have a place where she can use these things, so the best solution is to give her cash. That is more useful. Also, lack of cash can be a source of violence in her life. A woman might face sexual abuse from a service provider because of a loan she has to pay. A property owner might sexually abuse the woman for rent. In these situations, she needs cash and not in-kind assistance. For us, every survivor is an individual case. We never assume that one case is like another and give them the same service plan. The Syrian context is extremely ruled by traditions and social rules where women must stay at home and people think women's roles is taking care of children and cooking. Child marriage is widespread, unfortunately. When COVID-19 hit, the rate of violence against women increased, whether from family members or intimate partners. So we are in a complex context where there is very little flexibility. We face so many difficult situations of violence, but the cash support helps them to reduce the impact of violence on them. Another interesting thing my colleague Bara mentioned is that many women who were not able to make decisions because they do not have an economic independence from the husband were able to stop violence and start to be more independent thanks to the cash support and economic empowerment through economic activities. This had a positive impact even on their families and children. Through the cash support, many children who were working were able to go back to school. Their mothers were able to secure their livelihood through wonderful jobs. They were able to profit from cash support, not only to prevent violence against her, but also against her children. Bara, do you have anything to add about the context other than what Samar said? Like what Samar said, another issue is that we are in a society that justifies men's violence. Any kind of GBV that women face is justified by society, whether it's psychological, physical rape. Many women would talk about marital rape, but would still say that it is better than that my husband does that with me rather than with someone else. She would always justify that it is her husband and there is nothing wrong with that. Also, many women would face psychological violence and they would justify it as the man is stressed because of how life is difficult. These words and attitudes prevent women from talking. Instead, they say, what can I do? All men are like that. So we are in a context that justifies men's violence and practices against women. This violence has a very bad psychological impact on women and their children, especially adolescents. Some 14 and 15 year old girls are depressed. 
They do not want to do anything. They accept getting married so early because they think that will be a better situation and they are not aware of what is coming. So we are in this social context. But as Samara said, the cash support has a great positive impact on women survivors. As we plan with them, their steps taking into consideration the whole social context with its risks and opportunities. Can you share with us some challenges you've faced in this context and how you were able to overcome them? I will tell you a story that has happened with us. There was a survivor suffering from psychological violence from a family relative, not her partner, and she wanted to be independent. There was a discussion if she should have kind support. We talked about what she would say if someone asked, where did you get this? At first, she said she wanted kind support, but after thinking about it, she has chose cash because that would let her buy things bit by bit and justify her spending without being noticed. This could happen thanks to the space we could give her to the survivor and the strength she gets when we tell her you are able and strong enough to do what you need to do. This helps the woman to bring from her side the strong woman that she is. Gradually, this woman started to have an income from things she was buying and secured an independent income. Later, she moved to a separate independent house with her children and her injured husband and got rid of the abuser. So we changed the whole support plan in order not to do more harm to the woman from her abusers because of the way we give our service. That's an interesting point about how you change the planning in order to protect women. I just want to add a challenge we face as GBB workers that because of the extreme violence many women face, they're willing to seek refuge in any place where they can be protected. So the cash support helps them to find a place where they can be secure. We are in a Syrian context where there is no rule of law or police with standard security measures that can protect her. This is a great challenge we face. When a woman wants to protect herself from severe violence, imminent death, or violence against her children, she does not have secure places to go to. Our first question to survivors for the safety plan is to be in a place so far away from the abuser. Though in many cases, especially those related to sexual abuse, it can be hard to get away from an abuser. There can be people with authority, so the survivor can still face violence after she moves away. Even if we study the situation with staff, we give the woman space to decide and choose, but the rate of this challenge is very high. How can we overcome this challenge? Or when we are giving our service, what do we do to take this challenge into consideration? First of all, we have some standard solutions through the safety plan and the cash support that helps a lot. But a woman can still face GBV when she is not economically independent or the cash support is short-term help. Thus, we always continue our follow-up with survivors. Our service does not finish once we give her cash. This is where it is important to do case management. We cannot just forget about them after the service is delivered. In the follow-up, we check if the woman still needs anything. For example, if the abuser comes to live close to her, she can come back to us and we can create another safety plan and cash support. I just want to emphasize on the follow-up to know if the woman is secure, if she can be independent, if our service has realized her needs. The follow-up also helps us improve our safety plans. Based on this experience, what actions would you recommend to others to improve results? I advise to scale up this experience. I wish we could have this experience everywhere in Syria. Why? It was so important to give cash support in managing cases. Given the specific situation for survivors and the high need of confidentiality, we must give them services that include psychological support, 
cash support, follow-up, empowerment to find a job, etc. We need to secure a confidential service to every woman and manage cases in an individual manner for better results. Do you have anything to add, Farah? I wish to continue delivering service or even scale it up in all organizations because it helps saving lives. Many survivors are in need of this service. We reach many survivors who were going through so much harm without even knowing that it is a violence against them. Many women reached extreme level of vulnerability that they lost hope in life, but through this service, they became wonderful success stories. And how can we use the mistakes that we faced to improve our programs? I suggest that other service delivery institutions that give cash to include the case management approach. That needs to include the security environment and economic independence and the challenges that may bring. It means that when giving this cash support, we need to think about it as a long-term service delivery because the impact on survivors is greater as it can help them get rid completely of violence and not only reduce it for a short time. Give women enough space and time and give them psychological support to choose and identify what's best for them. I can't use my own opinion of what is best for her as every case is unique and has its specific environment and needs. This service is what makes a woman strong in her choices and to take her life in charge. Thank you very much, Samara and Bara, for giving us very useful information for the people working in this field. I hope that your advice and information will reach many people who listen to this podcast. Inshallah, we hope so.